Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. You have called us, Lord, to change the world. You have called us to shine bright and to show forth, O oh God, your praises to the ends of the earth, Lord. We give you thanks for the opportunity to serve you and to know you and to see that your gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a reality, healing the brokenhearted, setting the captive free, Lord, allowing the poor to shout with praises as they leave poverty to great wealth and riches according to your grace, Lord. We pray that you would bless your word this morning, Lord, that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit, O oh God. We thank you, Lord, for what is going to happen in the coming weeks and months and years in Grand Cayman. We thank you for godly leadership, Phil Jackson, O oh God. Those men who have set their talents aside to serve you. Bless them and prosper them, Lord. Thank you for Brian Doyle and Iron Sharpens Iron, Lord, and that ministry to men that changes nations, O oh God. We pray your blessing upon that family, Lord, your prosperity. We pray, Father God, that we might rise up in maturity and responsibility to steward your glory to the ends of the earth. Bless your word and prosper it in our lives, in our families, and for such a time as this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. So, um, the last week has been filled with uh, opportunities to glorify the name of Jesus. When we're talking about glorifying the name of Jesus, we're talking about showing people what God is doing. It's super important. They're not going to be able to see. If, we don't, if, we, if these men didn't go with me, if I didn't go, if I didn't participate, nobody would be able to hear, to see, to touch, to... to um, it was hilarious, the questions. You know, why do you guys travel with pastor? Are you guys on full-time staff? Who pays for this? And people are like blown away that there's some people that put the kingdom of God first. That their passion is to be faithful to Jesus. So showing forth God's glory is part of the responsibility we have as God's people. And not just now and not just spring of life. In all times, if you read the, uh, the, in the book of Psalms, David would write in verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God. Everything God has created points back to him. If you see something, it will point back to its maker. And part of the challenge in our lives is that we have the responsibility to... Ta-da! And, and, and you got to show people because they want to see. I, I want proof. What, what happens not only in, in, in front of us, but behind the scenes. That's where people really want to see. They see if it's real. And you have a responsibility to show people the reality of God. I remember one day, I would give my keys uh, to a gentleman and say, go to my car and find a file. I need a file. In my car, there's a file. And he went there shaking. He's nervous. He comes back. He's all red. And he has my file. I go, why are you shaking? He goes, what if I would have found something that would have disproved that you're a real man of God? I go, oh, 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 wait a second here. Wait a second. You thought you would go to my car and find a cigarette? You thought you would go to my car and hear Power 96 some worldly music? You thought you would go to my car and find pornography? Or maybe something that would say, ha-ha. Because the truth is, people want to find reality. And I said, you know what we're going to do now? We're going to go to my house. I'm going to give you the key to my house. And you're going to go through every closet, every door, every attic, every room. So you can find Jesus in the most private areas of my life. Because the world wants, the world wants. That, uh, Yvette was saying that, that one lady told us like about 15 years ago, be careful, pastor, if they follow you. You know, they might follow you. Maybe your telephone is bugged, pastor. Don't speak too loud in your office. And I'm like, lady, what are you hiding from people? <laughs> what do you not want people to see or hear? And if they follow me, they're going to see world changers on the march. 
in the airport, in the, in the, in the hotel, wherever we go, in the restaurants. We, this is real. This is God. Are you guys having a problem with Psalm 16? Verse 1. Are we not posting verses? Okay. Oh, because I got the wrong. It's 19. You guys were right. Okay, let's go to 19 verse 1. Psalm 19, verse 1, guys. The heavens declare the glory of God. Everything God has made is to declare, to show. And the firmament, the stars, guys, the moon. This morning, the moon, uh, was it last night? No, it was this morning. I forgot. Ariel, was last night or this morning? This morning, ah, because when we got out of the hotel, the moon was there, and as we got closer to the airport, it was bigger. And he goes, look how the moon has gotten bigger since we left the hotel, and now we're at the airport, and it got bigger. Because God wants to show forth what he's created, and we are his master craft. A lot of people don't know that. We're like, at, at creation, God created his Man and woman and family and the church and our children. I can't go anywhere without talking about my children, both biological and spiritual. I was like, wait till you see so-and-so. Wait till you, and, and you're going to see that this is, because when you show people, they see reality. Verse 2, day after day. Every day speaks, and the night after night speaks the stars, the moon, the sun, the clouds, the sunsets. We saw an incredible sunset yesterday. Everybody came out to take pictures. They line up on the beach, and they want to see the sunset. Reveals God's reality. Verse 3. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. You could just watch something that is from God, and that speaks volumes. People are looking at your face. What does this speak? It speaks a frustrated individual, somebody who has a sour lemon in their, in their mouth. There, there is no speech, but their voice um, shouts what people see. We go on to verse 4. Yet their voice, they're not speaking their voice has gone out through all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. People will speak about our visit to Grand Cayman, our visit to Cuba, our visit wherever we go. People will continue to speak for weeks, for months, for years. And their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a dwelling place for the sun. This is powerful. Verse 5. Like a bridegroom that comes out of his chamber. Like Jesus coming back for his bride. He, he, he comes with the expectation to see. Yesterday we were coming to the, to the hotel and they were having a wedding. And this woman was decked out in her bridal cloth or in her robe and her dress. And her smile was bigger than her face. She's just radiating joy. She was radiating this was the day the guy was also. It was amazing how they were displaying the expressions of great joy. Rejoice like a strong man prepared to run his race. There's no one going to beat these men to go in the direction of the beauty. Verse 6, it rises at one end of the earth from the coming, of the coming up of the sun and its circuit to the other end, as to it going down, there is nothing hidden where its heat cannot radiate. So this is, this is our lives, and I know for a fact that shame has come to make us come and withdraw and to hide things that are in our lives. Uh, one of the speakers says that things had happened in his marriage early on. He wrote a marriage book. His name is Jackie Bledsoe. And Jackie's from Indiana, and he wrote a book on marriage. He says, I didn't want to write things in that book that had happened to me that are embarrassing. They're shameful. When I lost my job and I became homeless, that's not somebody, somebody doesn't want to write about that, losing their job, losing their home. They became homeless while they're married and with children. So he goes, in that part of the book, I didn't want to write it. But the Lord says, you write it. 
You write it just like it happened because I'm going to use it for my glory. And writing that in that book causes other people to come out and says, I could identify with you. The same thing happened to me. So everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all happens for his glory. When we share what's going on in our lives, people are attracted to it. Our responsibility is to show forth. And, and that's what's happening after 20 years of our church where one of the women that came here says, you guys are the best kept secret in Miami. If people knew about your church, this thing would blow up. You wouldn't fit in the Miami arena because people would want to come to see, to touch, to hear your lives, your transformations, your miracles. What God is doing. When Jason Ellerbrook, first, that first lady came, she was, a, she was not a believer. She, she was a, a fundraising director for Channel 2 Television. She says when she came here and observed everything, you know why, why she came here? The, the, the fundraising director of WPBT Channel 2, she came here because she saw the transformation of George Carrigal's life. She was able to see, she goes, I don't know who helped you change, but whoever helped you change, I want to help them. She was able to see something in his life, and she came in here for a full year, and she would say, you guys are the best kept secret in Dade County. And then Jason Ellerbrook, absolutely, Jason Ellerbrook would come from Nashville because he was interested in men's ministry. And he would sit down with our leaders, and he, would, he said, okay, I'm here for what is a man. And they started telling him all their life stories, every testimony, every miracle, every transformation. And he says, you guys don't have a book. You guys have more than a book. You have lives that people need to know. And that, seeing that, hearing that, caused him to join our team. And he says, this is not a book. This is a people. This is a people that God is using to change the world. But it was observable. It was seen. Isaiah 43, 21 says, The people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. So this is, this is the part that's a little bit weird. Can we apologize about God having healed us? Can, can we apologize about that we don't have divorce and separation? And we don't have domestic violence and abuse? Do we apologize for that? No, we have to boast that this is what God has done in our lives. It's a miracle. We have exemplary husbands. That really, if, if I showed you, I don't know if we have that picture, but if I showed you Ephraim's wife's picture, they've been separated for three years. Last Saturday, they go out on a boat, and her smile is the size of the boat. Amen. Why? Because something's happening. That's not how she came in. And that's not what Ephraim did over their 15, 20 year marriage. But today she's seen a reality of transformation that invokes a smile. A, a coming near. A, I want what I'm seeing. So, so we met with them last week. And, and she wants to meet with Joey and Suleika next week. She wants, she wants to draw near to what she's seen and heard and, and been a part of here. So this thing about this people that God has formed for himself, what for? Why are we God's people? To declare his praise. To tell people, Robert Alvarez, you tell people all the time, right? I was going nowhere and God made me a Florida State Trooper. I own Florida. Gainesville, Jacksonville. Don't come across my land. There's a new sheriff in town. Absolutely. Where's your badge? You got your badge? Come here, sir. I want to shine that badge to the ends of the world. Because Jesus has done this. I get nervous around these things. I flash him a badge there. Look at this. Come up here, sir. This is the glory of God. This man has been in this church since age nine. Eight or nine, he forgot. But he has to say, I went to a place when I was eight. At the end of that experience, a lot of royal rebukes, but shining for the glory of God. Yeah. I have it upside down. You imagine that he stands up to any citizen that comes into the state and goes, hey, excuse me. Get on your knees right now. Put your hands behind your back. Absolute authority. This is the glory of God. 
And so we need to shine forth. And I'm sorry, sir. Go ahead and have a seat. How, how is he going to keep that a secret? How, how is he going to live his life without telling his children of where God could take them if they're faithful? And so that's what God is saying there in Isaiah. My people I form for my glory to declare my praise, to be, you know, public. And, and, and this is, this is the, the concern that we want to be private but what God is doing, he's showing off in every place, everywhere, all the time. He's boasting on us. He's not like the devil trying to accuse us and belittle us. 1 Peter 2.9. Peter writes, this is a chosen race. This is a royal priesthood. A chosen generation. A royal priesthood. Remember that word priesthood because that's who we are. We represent the God of heaven. A priest represents the person he worships. A holy nation, his own special people. What for? That you may proclaim. That that word proclamation is huge because it was the guys in the old days that went around and go, Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye, behold. And they would announce something. I would like to tell you something. Excuse me. No, a proclamation is loud, is boisterous, is to be heard, is to be seen. It's a spectacle. It's a message to proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness, the one who went in the sewer and retrieved special treasure into. His marvelous light. And one of the things about light, it exposes stuff. It exposes darkness. And that's why some people feel uncomfortable. Hey, excuse me, could you guys be a little bit like, lower your volume. I can't lower my volume. Some people say, why do you Cubans talk so loud? We used to not have a message. But now we have a message that the ends of the earth have to hear. It's the glory of the one who called us out of deep darkness to his marvelous light. What does that mean? Who are those people? This royal generation, this this royal priesthood, this chosen generation. A holy people. A people that belongs to God. Jesus would say, Matthew 5, 14, you make the world shine. You're the ones that are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You can't see what God is doing and keep it quiet. It's too boisterous. It's too loud. Verse 15. Nor do a people light a lamp to put it under a basket. Or put a lampstand. But a lampstand and it gives a light. You put a light on a lampstand, so it gives a light to all those that are in the house. We have to tell the stories. We have to tell people. We have to show forth. We have to, we, our, our garments have to be seen. And there's where he says in verse 16, let your light shine before men. Before who? Before others. What for? So they may see your good works. So they can see that you're part of what God is doing upon the earth so that they will glorify your Father in heaven. They will, they will be attracted to come. A lot of people have come over the years. A lot of people have come. And, and they're like, I want some of that glory. I want some of that reality. I want some of that transformation. As Jesus said these words, later he would say, Matthew 5:31. They begin to see, I'm sorry, 1531. They begin to see that the mute, the multitude marveled when they saw people that didn't speak before. They saw the mute speaking. They saw the lame, those that were missing arms and legs, being whole. How many was, were, were maimed in this world before you knew Christ? You were just picked apart with, you know, just, the, just everything, your arm falling, your leg falling. You're made whole. Broken hearts are healed. The lame, those that couldn't walk, begin to walk. 
the blind began to see. And they began to point up to heaven and point at the God of Israel and say, look, this is all coming from him. This is all coming from him. I asked a man in Cuba, somebody said, oh, you look so young, man. You look sharp. What's going on with your life? He goes, I ride the bicycle. I ride the bicycle? And then his wife came and, and, and she said, my papito, he's 70 years old. So papito, here's your mango. Here's your melocotón. Here's your café con leche. Here's your totada. Here's your vitamins. I said, hey, sir, I'm sorry to tell you. It's not your bicycle. It's your wife. It's your wife that's taking good care of you, sir. That's why you look like you haven't suffered a day in your life. His wife looked like beat up. She looked like she was 80. He looked like he was 40. And he says, my bicycle. I said, it's not your bicycle, sir. I'm going to tell that story in Cuba and for the rest of my life. He goes, please don't use my name. I said, okay, I won't. It's the doctor in Pinar de Rio. Absolutely. Why? Because he's not telling the story. I want to know if you're telling the story. I want you to know I'm telling the story every opportunity I get. Everywhere I go, I will talk about what God is doing in our lives. I talk about Kayla all over the world. All over the world. And we haven't even seen the half of it yet. Because God is still telling the story. And we'll fill stadiums and we'll tell people about the God. That turned our mourning into dancing. And gave us a hope and a future. We talked about our expectation. It's through the roof in this place. Why? Ephesians 5a. Because one time we were darkness. One time there was no expectation of anything good. I expected to get. I wasn't even married. And I was expecting to get divorced three times. My expectation was a disaster. Uh, my expectation is not to have sons and offer them a family but that's when I was in darkness but now you are light in the Lord walk as children of light don't apologize for that the book of Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 it says those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the sun those who walk in wisdom will shine bright like the brightness of the firmament. You can't, look at the, you can't look at the sun and not go blind. Those who turn others to righteousness, many will turn to righteousness. How? When you shine like the sun, people are attracted like the stars. They will shine forever and ever. They do not perish. So Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. A lot of people want want to talk about the struggles of going forward. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to sit there and say, okay, what a lot of people want to expect, what if, what if you don't continue? Listen, forget about it. What if I don't continue? I told one man, he goes, what if you mess up? I said, look, I'm going to shine as bright as I can for as long as I can. I'm not going to worry about what's coming down the, 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 the pike. I'm just going to shine as much as I can for as long as I can. And if I run into an obstacle that, that puts this light out, then, then we'll deal with that at that point. But we're not going to apologize for shining bright for what God has done in our lives. And we don't take this as what we have accomplished. We don't take this as something that we're doing in our own right. It's, it's to be lifted up. Now let's go to the rules for these people that will be priests. In Leviticus 21, verse 10. He who desires to be a priest. These are shadows and types. Amongst his brethren, if you want to represent God. And there's oil on your head. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on you. And you've been separated to wear his garments. You're going to wear that bridal dress. You're in the land of Beulah. You're, you're, you're showing everybody, ta-da. You're showing them the joy that cannot be contained. It's inexpressible joy. It's pouring out of your pores. You don't have to say anything and people could tell something's up. Who is separated to wear these garments shall not uncover his head 
nor tear his clothes. You, you see what the, this morning as we were coming in from Grand Cayman, a woman had a jacket on and, and it looked like it had 50 bullet holes in it. It was all torn up in the back. It was full of holes. It was torn. It was tattered. It's devil's fashion. It's to wear clothes that is twisted. Like, like you don't have a father who's taking care of you. Like you don't have a home. Like you don't have provision. It's the clothes of the inner city, fatherlessness. I, I remember whenever there was something torn or a nick in my clothes growing up under the tutelage of my mother and my father. It says, don't wear that. I said, why not? It says it has a hole in it. And today people are wearing things full of holes. Like saying, I don't care. I'm not dressing for people. I'm going to wear whatever I want. That, that's anti-biblical. The Bible says that one who represents the priesthood could not wear torn clothing. In fact, you know who wore the torn clothing in the Old Testament? The lepers. They had to rip their clothes and go around saying, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. And then you would stay away from that person because his life was falling apart. You had to stay away from a leper because he had a disease, and his disease would cause the limbs on his fingers, his nose, his ears, they would fall off. And he had to rip his clothes and shout, unclean, unclean, stay away from me. You could get this. It's contagious. Verse 11, these priests had to walk in such a way that they were honor God, nor shall you go near any dead body, nor defile yourself in an unclean manner for your father or mother. Verse 12, there's all these rules of those people that were going to show forth his praise and magnify his glory. Nor shall he go out of the sanctuary, nor profane, speak wrong of the sanctuary of his God. For the consecration of the anointing oil of God is upon him. I, the Lord, am speaking. That's what people don't understand. God has spoken into these matters. Everybody has an opinion. But God has an opinion greater than all. And my Bible says, let every man be a liar and let God be true. Let God set the standard for what he wants for our lives. Verse 13. Gets into the taking of a wife. Let's, let's jump all the way to verse 16 where he says, Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and say, No man, no one who comes from your descendants in each generation to come who has any defect may approach to offer the bread of his God. Don't go around talking about what God is doing when there's an area in your life that you need to address. It would be horrendous. I, I have people do that to me all the time. They come into my office. They say, Pastor, you know something? Uh, I have a girlfriend, and I'm cheating on my wife. I said, let me ask you something. How would you feel if I had a girlfriend, and I was cheating on my wife? She goes, no, Pastor, you can't do that to us. Well, then why are you doing that to us? Why are you walking in a manner that brings reproach on the name of God? You're just as much of God's people as I am. You represent him just as much as I do. So no one that has areas in their life may show forth his glory because people are going to say, listen, you're going around speaking about how glorious this bride's going to be, but you don't notice when you turn around, there's a hole in your dress and I see your panties. I see you don't have covering. I see that your life is not healed and whole. There's still brokenness going on. Verse 18 as we approach God, for any man who has a defect shall not approach if he's a blind man. One of the defects that, that make us the worst people in the world is when you don't see what God is doing in somebody else. So one man came to our workshop in Grand Cayman. He says, look, I was a disaster in my first marriage with my first wife. I'm a, a disaster in my second. My whole life is falling apart. What, what do you have to say about that? I said, if you give yourself to God, I see the glory of the Lord. See, that's the person who's not blind. He's seeing what God can do in other people. It doesn't matter how wretched they are. You don't have the defect of being blind. There's a lot of us that always point out, did you see this and you see that? I see what God can do in the most unfit and the most distorted and the most twisted. You can see the glory of God. It can't be a person with, with a blind issue. Ask God to heal your vision. 
that you can see God in the worst circumstance. There's people that see bad things in the best circumstance. They never see anything good. The Bible says if your eye is bad, your whole body will be bad. But if your eye is good, you see the hand of God coming in to any situation and transforming it for his glory and for his praise. That's what we were called for. No man who is lame. Now, the the lame is the people that can't walk. When I met one Christian man, I said, are you a Christian? He goes, one leg in and one leg out. I go, listen, that sounds to me like the hokey pokey. That doesn't sound like Christianity to me. You put your one leg in, you put your one leg out. You're half in, half out. You do the hokey pokey and turn yourself about, and you're a joke for the gospel. You can't be lame. You can't walk funny. No man who is marred in his face, a person that that is deformed, you don't have the right to be deformed. You, You have a right to tell God, Lord, transform This frown that's upside down, it needs to turn upside right. How could you preach the gospel? You got to come to Christ because if you don't come to Christ, you're burning hell. Really? That's your your evangelism tool? Ask God for inexpressible joy that your laughter might bring multitudes to the house of God. I rejoice when they told me, let's go to the house of God. Well, we got to go to church again. That's not who God called you to be. Thank God for the restoration of your family, for God's mercy and grace to be upon you. Every day, every breath. Bible says everything that has breath, praise God with every breath. I, I just Sometimes I pray that God will hold people's breath just for a little bit. So they would be reminded, thank you, Lord, for my next breath. Without you, I couldn't breathe. He says it can't have an effect on the face. You can't have a limb that's too long. You you can't have, you know, one arm is long and the other one's short. This is called those who exaggerate. Oh, uh, look look how I, I I can do this, and it's a bunch of lies. We were talking to a man in our picnic. He says, when I was nine years old, I jumped into the killer whale, a pool at Sea Aquarium, and I taught the killer whale how to do backflips, and how to stick out his tongue. I was like, how old were you? And he says, nine. Really? You just lost credibility with me, my friend, and that's why your wife hates you. (laughs) Absolutely. You don't want to exaggerate and be a liar. And he says, don't allow any of your limbs to be too long. I went to a Grand Cayman to do a men's conference, and there was 5,000 men there. And 4,000 came to the Lord and 3,000 fell backwards. No, one man could change the world. One man that you show forth the glory of God. The reality of the gospel could be impacted. Verse 19, these are all the defects that God says you're not to have. No man with a broken foot. What is a man with a broken foot? A person who cannot carry a burden. He's like, look, I'm going through this problem. (laughs) Tough luck, buddy. Better years for you. No. Lighten the load. Give me some of your burden because both of my feet are strong and I could carry your weakness. I'm not, I don't have a broken foot. A broken foot means an unfaithful man. The Bible says an unfaithful man is worse than broken feet. It's like eating with a broken tooth. Have you ever, have you ever tried to do that? It's painful. So it is to trust in an unfaithful man. A man who says, look at me, brother. I go to the gym every day. I go, bro, can you pay a mortgage? Well, mom, mama. 24 hours a day at the gym and cannot pay a bill. So his wife says, honey, your love gives me the thrills, but it doesn't pay my bills. No finance, no romance. Dale para el gimnasio. You're doing all this stuff here, but nothing here with respect to burdens and responsibilities. No man who has a broken foot. It's, it, you can't even preach the gospel when you say there's no provisions. That's why it says no broken hand either. A person that cannot be generous. Hey, bro, could you give me some money? I, I can't stick my hands in my pocket, brother. It's, when I was young, if something happened and I can't get my wallet. 
And when the offering plate comes, I'm like, you're walking with your elbows. He doesn't want non-generous people. You imagine if we go to Grand Cayman and we're like, come on, we need to make money because we paid for airfare and we got hotel bills and we got a restaurant. You guys, give us money. You can't preach the gospel if you're stingy, if you're not generous. Show your abundance. Show God's goodness. Freak people out with the abundance of God's provision. Broken foot, broken hand. These things do not glorify God. Verse 20. He can't be hunched back. What's God have against hunchback people? Hunchback is you go around telling all the people your problems. Oh, man, you don't know the problems I have. But aren't you a Christian? Yeah, but my problems are bigger than that. My problems are bigger. You're a hunchback. You're, you're, you're always walking around, oh, nobody loves me, nobody cares. And, and you cannot be delivered. The Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord. He cares for you. He wants to carry whatever those things are. Paque, So you could be livianito. Yeah. Livianito. I love uh, traveling with these men. They won't let me carry a suitcase. I'm with my backpack. Jurgen got my backpack yesterday. He said, Pastor, what do you have in there? I said, missiles and grenades. <laughs> Why? What would you expect? Suntan lotion and flip-flops? <laughs> no, I'm not going there on, as a tourist. I'm going there to blow up everything that comes in front of us. Amen. My backpack weighs 50 pounds. I said, have you ever grabbed a military backpack? It's full of weighty stuff because you're going to go do battle. You're not, you're not going there with little stuff. So the, the hunchback is the one that doesn't cast his cares upon the Lord. That's why you can't show forth glory. You have to tell, oh, you don't know the problems I have. And they start enumerating their problems. My wife and my mother-in-law and my finances and my work and my employees and my business. And, and they tell you all the stuff. By the end of the conversation, both of you guys are walking like this. <laughs> Man, i got to carry this guy. He's full of problems. He says, take my yoke, which is easy, and my burden, which is light. Learn from me. I'm meek and humble. No midgets. What's a midget? Somebody who's been in the gospel for 15 years and doesn't grow. He's still stuck on stupid. He still won't grow past his, you know, when I was small, my dad used to mark, he said, stand up against the wall. I would stand up against the wall, he would mark. And every month, his son was growing. They were concerned at one point that I wouldn't grow. But when Jesus came into my life, I grew two feet. Because he breaks all that stuff of being a dwarf and being a midget and being short. And so you see God begin to add increase and growth and strength. And, and, and some people have to be careful. Some people have to be careful because God is truly raising up giants to take the land. Amen. Guys that came in super short and super small, God is giving prominence. He's growing them up. Muchacho, ¿qué tú estás comiendo? What are you eating that has caused you to be like Emmanuel? Emmanuel, how tall are you? Seven foot. My good. Come up here, sir. This is how you have to be spiritually. Turn your back that way. I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, it's just, I don't even reach his shoulders. The pride of God is to have sons that grow. He says, go get them, boy. I was talking about you in Grand Cayman because Jackie Bledsoe is from Indiana. And he's going to go play basketball for Indiana. So I said, you watch one of my spiritual sons change the world. And so I'm boasting. Thank you, sir. People want to see prominence. They want to see large. They want to see healthy. Healthy things grow. How many say amen? amen. Fruitful things grow. And what you do with these things, you're just like, oh, yeah, look at this, man. Look at the calabaza, brother. Look at this. And you have calabaza. You're showing people what is growing. And they're not dwarf. And, and, and this is not by any means anti-American Disabilities Act. We're not talking about that. We're talking about spiritual truths that are shadows and types. No man with a defect in his eye. A guy that is going around like this and he can't see clearly. 
He doesn't have both eyes to see. He can't, he can't, you know, this thing about the eyes is really important because when you're a priest, one of your responsibilities was to circumcise people. Go up with something sharp and cut people's foreskin. If you only had one eye, I mean, I'm sorry. You just castrated somebody because you didn't have clarity of vision. You didn't know when to cut, where to cut, how to cut. You cut the whole testicalia off. It's gone. The guy's not going to have babies ever again. Why? Because you were a twisted priest. You didn't see what God was doing. And sometimes it's better not to cut. If your cut is going to castrate, you got to be careful. You could ruin people for the rest of their lives by not cutting accurately. But then there's no better thing than a priest that sees clearly and cuts clearly and removes that which doesn't belong. That's a blessing. So you don't have defects in your eyes. You ask God, give me, give me some insight here, Lord. Give me some depth. Give me some understanding so that I could be like an excellent surgeon. Eczema or scab, this, these are skin conditions, which the first one, eczema, um, talks about uh, irritation. You know the worst Christian is? An irritable Christian. Oh, how uncomfortable this place is. How uncomfortable and how uncomfortable and how uncomfortable. It's horrible. Your life is uncomfortable to us. Because <laughs> you're always irritable about everything. There's nothing pleasant in what you have to say or hear. I, I told the men a couple weeks ago that some guy says, I could write a book this thick of all the things I see, I see. Ohon. You know what ohon means? That you're looking in a manner that's wicked. Look at this thing. You could write a book this of all the good things you see. But you choose to, to pick the things that, that justify your rotten, bitter attitude. Isn't it horrible? That we cannot proclaim the goodness of the Lord, the praises of God. It was funny this week in my house. Uh, we have such incredible uh, conversations. Every time I'm going to go on a trip, I try to spend some time with my family. And so we're sitting around the dinner table. We're sitting around. We're having uh, dinner. And, um, and Brandon goes, Dad, uh, on, on, on our Google for the church, people put some bad reviews. And, and I looked up on, and everything says cult and cult and cult. And, and everybody's, like, writing that we're a cult. So he says, I went there, and, and I didn't know what the word was. So I went to the dictionary, and it says a, a gathering of people that are radical. And he goes, yeah, we're a cult. <laughs> he says, somebody who's extreme. And he goes, oh, okay, I guess we are. Isn't that powerful that some people are looking at a place that's changing the world and all they could say are things that are twisted, dumb. And, and I, had, I had a pastor apologize to me last week. He goes, uh, it was actually Richie Ray. He goes, no, we're saying so many bad things about you. But when I got there and I saw what I saw, you guys are going to change the world. Amen. You're going to change the world. Because some people have encima, they have scabs. Scab speaks about injuries from before. People that, that have scabs are anything that comes in their life, it opens up a wound again. It opens up something that should have healed a long time ago. Something that God should have taken care of, you should have already resolved. No, you let somebody, oh, it, the scab came off, it's bleeding again. It doesn't heal. God wants you to be whole and healed about everything that's happened. Regardless of what's happened, God wants to bring healing there. And lastly, the eunuch. That's the guy who got castrated. God doesn't want you to go around without proof that what you have benefits other people. In other words, if it's happened to you, where are the people in your life who's it happened to also? Because you should reproduce after your kind. There should be a wife just like you who now is happy, just like you weren't happy. Now she's happy because you were reproductive. You produced fruit. You will know them by their fruit. God doesn't want uh, a eunuch in, in other versions that says somebody with um, crushed testicles, somebody who doesn't produce life. You're not to go around if you can't. You know, this is, they always say to me, Pastor, why do you travel with so many men to your men's conferences? I want to show people that there's other men, not just me, 
that have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that there's proof in the pudding. That there's fruit. You should have fruit. How could 20 years go by and you haven't won one person to follow you and to be led by you and to worship where you worship and, and follow the God that you follow? So Ruth says, wherever you go, I'll go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Because I want what you have. I want what you enjoy. Some people are running from what you have. That's not to be the case. And God says it like that. Not sterile. Verse 21, we're finishing right now. No man of the descendants of Aaron, the priest, who has a defect, shall come near to offer the offerings made by the fire to the Lord. If he has a defect, he shall not come near to offer the bread of our God. He may eat the bread of God, both the most holy and the holy. Only he shall not go near to the veil or approach the altar because he has a defect. Lest he profane, that's the opposite of praise, lest he profane my sanctuaries, for I the Lord sanctify them. He wants to do a full work in us. Let's stand this morning and say, God, use my life not to show forth my praise, not to show forth my glory, but to allow people to see the reality of the gospel. Thomas says, I'm not going to believe until I touched where he was where he was crucified, where the nails went in, where the spear went into his side. And Jesus showed up and says, come here, my friend. Put your hand here. Touch. Make sure this is a reality to what's going on in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, in your faith, in your peace, in your joy, in your righteousness. I love to hear the young people stand up in this generation and say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. We're going we're gonna to sing Amazing Grace this morning. And, and you tell God, Lord, allow this grace to come upon me so that I can be your witness in the earth. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a
One more time, amazing grace. Father, I thank you today. We're closer to your return than the day we first believe. Some of us have to play catch up. Because it's been many years already. And still multitudes have yet to hear what your grace has done in our lives. Give us courage, Lord. Baptize us with the Holy Spirit that we might be your witnesses in all the earth. In Jerusalem, our hometown, Judea, our neighborhood, Samaria, Samaria, the surrounding towns, and then to the ends of the earth. You called us to be world changers from the day of Pentecost. To go to every city, to every family, to every people. And show them the evidence of your grace that's in our lives, Lord. And the things that are yet to come. For you have said the greater things that I have done, you will do in my name. Because I go to the Father. We pray, O God, that every thought, word, and action would serve to show forth your excellence. To magnify your praise. And if it necessary... Use words. Let people see our lives, see our joy. Consider our marriages and our families so that we might shine bright, O oh God, and show forth your goodness in every area of our life. We pray your blessing upon every family here and those that heard this message, O oh God, that in the coming days, weeks, and months, and years, Lord, that the whole earth might hear of what great things you have done in our midst. And we will not apologize, Lord. We will not fall short of a world-changing proclamation. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the people say amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. God bless you.